0: Hey my name is Grant Collins.
1: I'm Chrissy Collins.
0: And this is the Fountain City Church Podcast. (laughs) We are talking today about living on purpose and we're really just doing a breakdown and going a little deeper. Um, When Chrissy and I were talking about the message series and even hearing feedback from people who were here on Sunday, we felt like it might be helpful for many of you um, to hear some more questions as we kind of dig into what it looks like to find your purpose and what are the things that can prevent you from finding that. Um, and that really came out in conversation. So, uh, Chrissy, you're going to kind of host this time, right? I just get to chill and answer questions.
1: I'm going to do my best, but I'm really hoping this will be a discussion.
0: Okay, I'm in.
1: Not formal. As we say around here a lot, it's not going to be perfect.
0: Or polished. Or
1: polished. I hope that's okay <laughs> with you. Yeah, so we got a ton of really good feedback, actually, from the message on Sunday. Maybe the most feedback that we've gotten since we planted Fountain City.
0: Yeah, maybe so. I I think it struck a different chord with a lot of people because, um, you know, we started to pray about the end of the year and what it is that God called us to when we planted the church uh, just over a year ago. And one of the things that really struck a chord in me really deeply was that God had given me a vision for the city of Columbus and for this area, uh, that he wanted to raise up leaders here, um, and that he wanted to use this as a sphere of influence and ascending place, a place of mobilization. Um, and for us, like at the dead center of that is people finding their meaning and purpose in Christ. Um, and so I think that resonated really deeply with people, maybe because it resonates really deeply with us.
1: Yeah, I think so. Um, and that was, I think, one of the questions I wanted to ask you was why do you think this message is resonating so much with people right now?
0: I, honestly, I think, like, the period of time we're in at the end of the year already is a great context to start asking big, like, existential questions, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So you get to the end of the year, and you start to naturally look back a little bit. and And the holidays even have this... Uh, tendency to bring people to either like deep places of joy or even deep places of like anxiety and depression and sadness. And so I do think there's a lot of self-evaluation that's built into this time of year. Um, But I also think that, you know, for our generation, Mm -hmm. you know, you and I are 37. Many of the people in our community are, um, you know, mid 60s and below, but primarily in their mid 30s um, or upper 20s. And so we're in a place where we're asking questions about meaning and purpose um, because most of the time we get caught up in the rat race of just doing life. And, you know, somehow in those quiet moments, I think we back off and we have this, these questions in our soul saying, like, who are we and what is it that we've been called to do? Yes, God has saved us. Yes, he has made us a new creation. But what do we do with that new creation? It's not just meant to be new just to sit around on the shelf and wait till. Jesus comes back one day. Uh, So what do we do with that? And I I think that's why it's important to people and certainly why we were
1: talking about it this weekend. People want purpose. People want to work jobs. If they're going to have to work, they want jobs with purpose and meaning. And we're seeing that more and more. So first, let's chat really quick about you and your purpose. Okay. What did that look like for you? What did that process of finding your purpose or knowing your purpose look like for you?
0: Uh, I mean, uh, I kind of go back really fast to some memories, like little glimpses of how that purpose was exposed. I remember walking around the church as a little, like as a young teenager with all of our friends and them having like relational drama and conflict and me giving them advice on how they should get through it. Like as a 12 year old, I remember giving people advice and feeling like I have something to contribute to this, you know? I
1: remember that, Grant. <laughs>
0: That was yesterday, that right? Young,
1: that young Grant.
0: Um, and yes. so there was never there was that glimpse. There were also those moments where, in gatherings, where I felt like the Lord was doing something really intense. Where, um, I remember specifically, uh, an older gentleman at a uh, an evangelistic outreach in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. We were praying at the end of the service, and he just shared a vision he had for me over my life, and it resonated so deeply with me. Uh, that I was going to preach the gospel and that the fire of God would fall on people and that people would be saved and filled with the holy spirit and it marked me like i remember feeling like there is nothing that i want more in the world and if you were to ask me today like what do you want more than anything i would say that like i want to be part of movements of people waking up to the to the person of jesus and to the glory of god and their lives being revolutionized by the gospel and by the power of the spirit um and so that has kind of all um Like coagulated is like a gross sounding word, but, (laughs) but like, that's all kind of come together. I think in the church, um, places of faith where people are searching for answers, they're searching for purpose and they're waking up to who God is and who he's called them to be. Um, and so that's how I've found my purpose through the years. How about you?
1: Ooh, that's kind of a loaded question for me. Um, you know, I, I think it's mostly been for me in recent years where I've really come to know um, what my purpose in the earth looks like and what that is. Um, I, I think it's not an overnight um, situation. I think for me, I in recent years, I've come to realize that the little girl that I was at one point and some things that existed in me at a very early age that I didn't think too much about then, but the older I've gotten, the more God has brought those things back to memory for me. So one thing um, is I have always kind of been an advocate and someone who stuck up for the underdog. Um, mm. That is something that I can remember. One of my earliest memories is when I was in fifth grade, and there was a little girl in my class, and her name was Nora. And she was just bullied around the clock. And so I remember just um, being a pretty quiet kid, but when it came to standing up for people and standing up to people, it was like I took on a whole other persona. <laughs> yeah,
0: I could see that.
1: Um, there was just a lot of boldness in me. and. That has been a consistent theme throughout my life, and Grant can tell you some stories, and maybe even some of you out there <laughs> But you like listening. fighting people
0: and maybe fighting an older lady at a <laughs> softball game who insulted your dad. That was
1: a long time ago. I'm redeemed it now. It was not that long so, ago. <laughs> you know, <laughs> what's really cool about our stories, though, is that even this girl in me, this person in me from years ago, who wanted to fight people on the soccer field, or because, you know, oh, yeah. somebody was picking on Grant one time, and I thought, <laughs> this is not okay. was a soccer needs...
0: game, this guy was trying to punk me out, and Chrissy, like, I
1: had had it. Tried
0: to chase he... him down and started yelling at him. I was like, what is going on? Somebody My wife to is about to say beat up something this
1: man. To that man. And so, <laughs> you know, and so here's the thing those places in us that maybe even look ugly at times. What I have found in my experience has been is that God is so beautiful to redeem those things, and a lot of times those things are really on purpose, and he put something in me um, at a very early age that was, uh, I don't know, it resonated so deeply in me, and, and that's something that has been consistent. I think that's something that I have found is looking for those consistent themes, throughout your life asking family members who do you remember me to be you know what has been this theme so I think for me just recognizing I've been an advocate since the day I was born Um, I love defending the underdog it is something that is so innate in me I just naturally do it Um, and then just recognizing things that I do whether I get paid for it or not like I'm just gonna live my life doing it And that's something that you talked a lot about in your sermon is these core convictions and values, those things that come out no matter who you're around, um, no Mm -hmm. matter what environment you're in, whether you're stressed or whether you're on top of a mountain, like they're just going to come to the surface no matter what. And being very intentional and starting to write those things down or make note of you know, I've I've recognized, especially as you go on the journey of finding out what your purpose is, you recognize, you know, I see these themes in my life. And I don't think that you can find your purpose necessarily, too, without being in community.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's actually a really great point because for many of us, we live with a blind spot when it comes to who we actually are. Or maybe we even, um, like, live in reflection on... Um, shame or guilt or labels that we've carried from the past. And when we come into the body, it's really nice to surround yourself with people who are looking, you know, like the picture in my mind is we're looking longingly into the face of God. And as we do that, we start to see each other clearer. Yeah. And we start to see God's image in other people who are also following Christ. And I can help navigate you past some of the places where you're blind to yourself, mm-hmm. um, particularly yeah. when it comes to, Like talking about what those, what I see as your core values are or your purpose. Um, The scripture that pops to mind is the one where um, he says, you know, husbands, you are to love your wives as your own bodies and you're to wash them with the word. Mm -hmm. Um, And the picture is literally of, of a husband covering his wife with the identity that comes from God's word instead of the identity that the world puts on her. Um and that he is supposed to love her in that way, that he is outwardly expressing things that combat the condemnation and accusation of the world. And so I think like it's part of our role as representatives of God and in the family of God to uh to communicate those things that we see that are so beautiful in one another. And a lot of times that is those core values or those um core convictions and uh I think the reason that that's also important is that sometimes our core convictions and core values can also be the places where we have edges. Yeah. They can be places where maybe we are still a little rough. Like for me personally, um, I, do, I do feel deeply called to make people and places better, like wherever I'm at. Mm-hmm. But that also means that like if I'm unhealthy or if I'm living into a whole lot of stress or whatever, that I can be controlling. You know, yeah. and that I have to actually, and you as my wife, you know that better than anybody. Like there are times for those of you who don't know who Chrissy is, just like, hey, you're kind of, you're being controlling right now. Or you're being edgy and sharp. And mm-hmm. that's because I'm, I see something that somebody could be, but I'm pushing them too hard. And they're, you know, like I've got issues with that.
1: Yeah, I think that's really important. I think um, you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Right.
0: Um what does that mean in this scenario, though? It means
1: that, for example, you know, what I was sharing earlier about how God has kind of put this innate quality inside of me that feels, that is an advocate, stands up for the underdog. Sure. But even that, when out of alignment, right. can just go on a, you know, or on a rampage. <laughs> you
0: can defend wolves, <laughs> and right?
1: Absolutely. And so um, I think when we're in alignment, that is the, that actually makes me kind of weepy when I start thinking about God is the way that he redeems those parts of us um, that has these edges, like you were saying, and that when unredeemed can look so nasty. And But what's so beautiful about God is he takes those things that are so innate in you and he redeems them. I love that about the, the nature. I get kind of weepy when I start thinking about stuff because I think a lot of people, when they come to Jesus, they feel like they have to change everything about themselves and they just see these qualities inside of themselves as dirty and rotten and I need to change who I am. and um But what's so beautiful about the way that the Lord works is he takes those qualities and he says, no, that's, you've just been out of alignment, you know, and so, Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, totally. And I think part of that, I think it's important, like part of that new creation work that Jesus does is he's not asking us to perfect ourselves, but he's actually taking the raw material of your life that's broken, he fills it with his spirit and reanimates it as a new creation uh, under the authority and lordship and the power of the spirit. Uh, Authority and lordship of Jesus in the power of the spirit. And so you're you're still you it's just yeah christ living his life through you
1: yeah right what a process that is
0: too and, and one of the evidences is like everything doesn't change overnight you don't wake yes. up you know there are some things and there are some stories where people are dramatically changed overnight and we love those that's amazing but for many of us our story is that we wake up and You know, there are still things that we're working out, like that sanctification process. Mm -hmm. And God also seizes on the raw material of your life uh, to make you into uh, the image of His Son and to accomplish His purpose in the earth. And that's just really cool.
1: Yeah. You know, um, another point that I wanted to make when it comes to finding our purpose or being on mission and being in community and how the two go hand in hand, there have been so many moments um in my life where i have forgotten who i was and if it weren't for those really safe people in my life to remind me who i am um there's no telling I, I i just and and so that's another point that i wanted to make when we were talking kind of going back to the importance of sort of linking arms with community and how this applies to purpose mm-hmm. is you're going to go through seasons where you're going to be under the weight of sorrow, under the weight of grief, under the weight of depression or difficulty, and maybe even some of you listening don't have a clue what your purpose is. Um, And I think that's where it's important to have people in your life um, who are safe, who know you, and who can speak that over you. And so um, did you want to add anything to that before we move on? Nope. Okay, I wanted to ask you really quick, because one of the things that I've encountered with a lot of people when it comes to mission and purpose, um, they struggle a little bit with theology and how this lines up with their own personal mission Mm -hmm. and purpose. Can you talk a little bit about how God sees purpose?
0: Yeah, I mean, so we, we talked out of Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 this past weekend, and how Um, you know, it is by grace that you've been saved through faith in Christ, not by works so that like none of us has any reason to boast. But then the, the response to that, like Paul is building a theology around, um, grace and works. And he's saying, you know, we come into the kingdom by grace, no questions asked, no other way to go about it. But then the response to that, the, the, the reflex of the work of grace and salvation in our lives, um, Is this thing that God has actually now created you to do good works that He prepared in advance for you to do? And so um, I think building a theology around this, like Ephesians 2 8 through 10 says, because of the work of grace in us, because we are saved and brought into the family of God, we have been um, uniquely set apart to do specific things. And I do believe that there are collective things, like we're all called to love one another we're called to all the one another's of scripture, you know, to honor one another, to serve one another, uh, to submit to one another. But there there are also these things that I believe you are called to do that are specific to you and that God is asking you to do that are ultimately going to fall under his, his larger purpose to redeem humanity. Uh, and so I think what we have to grab a hold of, and so many of us we get saved and we believe the job is done. We're just trying to hold on to our salvation until Jesus returns or until we die, which is really like a miserable way to live, you know, that God would do something so profound and that, you know, that's the parable of, of the, um, the talent, that, that we would just bury it, you know. We're given eternity. We're given the nature of the king and of heaven, and instead we just bury it and hold on until one day he comes back instead of putting it, work, uh, putting it to work today. Uh, and so that is really the challenge that I find and maybe a, a theological statement that God has saved us so that we will do these good works. Um, and in fact, I you was know, just kind of reading through my annual reading plan and in Revelation, he talks about judging the living and the dead according to what they did. And most of us, we don't have a, huge, a great theology around that. We're not a works-based religion and yet we are judged. There is a righteous judgment of God on the basis of what you do with what he has done in you. Um, and so we're talking about stewardship now. There's an accountability. Uh, you have to give an account for what you do. Uh, and this view that God has prepared these good works for us. So there's something specific that he's called you to. And maybe that, you know, there's a deep kind of intrinsic value in your heart to bring into things. But also, like, there are specific tasks, And you know? Like, I think there are specific assignments in seasons where it's like, you know, maybe for 20 years you just feel like, my, my job is to make people feel really seen and loved and to help free people who are oppressed by sin, right? There, there may be like a heart thing there, but maybe there's an assignment in a season where it is, I want you to intercede for that person until they come to salvation. Mm-hmm. Or I want you to be the beneficiary. I actually want you to pay for this young person who doesn't have a mom or dad to go to school. So there are specific good works that God calls us to. And then there are general good works, you know. He calls us into the general good works of the body of Christ. And he calls us into the specific good works of, of family members with tasks. You know, like even in our family, we have specific roles. Um, you cook food, not because we believe that women should be the only ones who cook, but because you are an incredible cook. And if I cook, it's like functional military food.
1: You know, it's like, no, it's cereal and ice cream.
0: That is, those are two wonderful things.
1: But those aren't militant.
0: No, but like if I'm cooking, it's going to get basic
1: pretty fast. (laughs) Yeah,
0: There's going to be some vegetable, some meat and a bread, (laughs) you know, (laughs) everything's going to be gray in color. (laughs) Um, But yeah, that's my answer to that.
1: I think a part of why I asked that question, too, is I think people have a hard time giving themselves permission to walk in their purpose.
0: Why? Why do you think that is?
1: I think for some people, a lot of it has to do maybe with the way that they grew up, maybe the way that purpose was modeled for them. I mean, it... Like it's too
0: luxurious or something?
1: It's too luxurious. It's too good to be true. That God would take pleasure in me taking pleasure in what I do.
0: Uh, I think that's really good.
1: I think it's, I've talked to people like this all the time where the idea that God would allow you to be happy <laughs> in what you do for a living seems ludicrous and actually really difficult to accept.
0: I, I love that, and you and I were talking about this the other night, but, you know, there is a line of distinction that we want to draw. Like, God hasn't called us to pursue a life of happiness yep. in and of itself, right? Yeah. Like, if yeah. we're chasing personal pursuit of happiness and wealth, and like the American dream is not the kingdom of God, actually.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, and it's helpful for us to say that.
1: It's but empty.
0: It is. It, it leads to emptiness. But we also believe that on the back end of pursuing Jesus and doing what he's called you to do, you live a life that is filled with joy and, uh, and, and life, you know, and love. And so it's not devoid of happiness, it's just a different pursuit, it's a different aim. But I've actually been thinking about this, I was having a conversation with somebody today, and um, one of the themes that kind of popped up out of that was, in previous generations, people worked jobs specifically so that they could provide for their families or mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, put food on the table or whatever. Yeah. And you went and you got a degree and more education so that you could make more money Right. so that, you know, you were able to achieve these things. But you get into the millennial generation who many of them were entering into the workforce during the recession, and there was not the return on investment, you know. Like the amount of education you got didn't equal uh, a job or satisfaction in the work environment. And so for many people, we moved in two directions. You kind of either went toward listlessness and hopelessness mm-hmm. in vocation, or you got dreamy and started saying, well, what do I want to do then? Yeah, Like if the nine to five thing's not panning out, can I just start something that has value and meaning and mean something to me and still make a living? And I do believe that it kind of gave birth to a, a generation of people who um, are more specialists. They're not generalists and and uh, I think the downside of this is a lot of times they don't have the work ethic is the, the thing, mm-hmm. or, or at least that's what's been said. They don't have the work ethic or the character. Mm-hmm. But I think more than that, they have been like honing in in a specific area and calling to question all the other disciplines that the world says you have to have. So I kind of think, man, fight for character and work ethic, but also like find the thing that makes you tick. And if you can make a living doing the thing that makes you tick, and do that really well, go for it, yeah. you know?
1: Well, and, I, you know, something that we see a lot is we tend to, um, I think our generation has responded to the generation um, before us, but we tend to go the very opposite direction, and yeah. I think we see that over time as we sort of overextend in the opposite way. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, what you see a lot now is like you were saying millennials and how they not only want to work, but they want to actually have meaning in what they do and find purpose. Whereas our parents and our, and their generation, it was about just get an education, go to work and provide for your family. And so I think what we're seeing now is this, uh, other response to, um, to what, how we grew up. Um, but, what did you want to add to that?
0: Not to that specifically, but one of the things that I have been chewing on um, is, you know, when we're trying to determine or find our purpose, um, kind of the breadcrumbs on the trail to that purpose, if, if it's eluding you, are those core convictions and those things that are so meaningful to you. Yeah. Um, but a lot of times what happens is we hit these seasons of uh, stress or hardship that actually pull us out of our core convictions. Mm -hmm. And you've been in those seasons where it's like, man, I believe this thing so deeply, but I feel a personal detachment or disconnection from who I'm actually called to be and what I'm called to do. And so you'd find yourself not even living into those core convictions. Mm -hmm. And, And I will say, if that's you and you're listening to this, like the pressure that you feel from that is a very real pressure. Like God has created you with a wiring to be and do some things that are reflective of his nature. And when you're not doing those things, Like, you know it. You feel out of your own skin. Uh, And if you do it long enough, you actually start to have an identity crisis.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's just, you know, one thing I've noticed, too, with what you and I do, church ministry, we feel called to the local church, and um, we feel called to being on mission, even in an overseas context as well. Mm -hmm. Um, This is probably what we will do for the rest of our life. We will always be uh, huge advocates of the local church. Um, in discipleship and watching people come to Christ, and and we will, um, this will probably be our life's work. It is one of the hardest things that we've ever done. And so, one thing too that I think uh, really resonated to me with what you're saying is not pursuing this life of happiness because that only leads to emptiness. But what I have realized is, when you are pursuing your purpose, it's not. It doesn't mean that it's going to be easy. Um, we have encountered a lot of disappointment, a lot of defeat, and um, on our journey, but we still love it, and we still have so much purpose in it. Mm-hmm. And so, it when you're when you're in your niche and when you're doing when you're in your purpose and pursuing what God has uh, offered, you know, for you to walk in, you can struggle, you can you can endure um, defeat and still have endurance to move forward.
0: Yeah. And I think it's, it's important too. If you feel like you're in a season where you are living contrary to those core convictions and to those core values, um, it's important to get down to the root of what is going on. Like don't just sit on it and say, well, maybe I'm changing. No. If, If those core things are coming into question, you know, um, and you're going through identity crisis. You need to understand that you actually will start to shape your identity against your core convictions if you don't deal with the underlying issue, um, because your purpose is at stake. You know, if if your core values are being called into question. Now, look, I, even as I say that, I realize that there are some dismantling seasons where where God can deconstruct some stuff that maybe you you thought you needed to do or thought you needed to be, and I think that's okay when you are rooted in Christ and you are rooted in in a community of Christ followers like when your feet are stabilized the right stuff can get deconstructed but for most of us when we go through seasons of deconstruction we isolate and we abandon everything yeah. because we're not sure where we stand and so you know maybe you're in that season and you're saying like I don't know my purpose I don't even know what my core values are and Put your roots down deep into Christ. Get into the word more. Spend more time in prayer. Spend more time in personal worship where it's just you and him and you're pursuing those intimate encounters with the Lord and get rooted in a community of people who can encourage you and hold you to an account of what it means to be faithful in the process. Um, But but I want to say um, that those core values are so important. And when you feel off kilter in those, it's important to address that and figure out, why that may be.
1: So I want to talk, I want to transition.
0: Okay.
1: I want to talk a little bit more about collective purpose. This was something that you spoke about in your sermon from Sunday. And I want you to unpack that a little bit. Um, Something that stands out to me personally about collective purpose is right now in the Western church, we have a very consumeristic perspective on church, and even the body of Christ, right? Yes. So what does this look like for us um, in regards to collective purpose? Just unpack that a little bit, go there. Um, I feel like this is going to be really challenging for a lot of people. I think it's going to get a lot of people out of their comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's going to be really good. I think this we need a fresh perspective.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, when we talk about collective purpose, we're essentially talking about um, the culture of God's kingdom, uh, and we're talking about the fact that you are, um, Mike Breen talks about it in terms of covenant and kingdom, that you're a covenant people, you're a part of the family of God, but you're the kingdom of God, um, and being a part of the kingdom of God means that you are a part of the, the mission of God, and maybe even like, uh, like it's a militant term, you know, kingdom has force and power and authority behind it. Um, and so when we talk about the collective purpose of God, we're talking about his mission in the earth and how, when you're brought into the covenant family of God, when you belong to him through the blood of Jesus, he also calls you to this purpose and that good works is like directly attached to that. Um, but in the big collective like umbrella, what that means is that you are called to love God with your heart and mind and soul and strength. And you're called to love your neighbor as yourself. These aren't things that you have to feel specifically like passionate about on a Tuesday. Mm -hmm. You know, this is stuff that is like non-negotiable kingdom culture. Like the early church was known for being able to suffer well, for running away and fleeing from sexual immorality and for loving people. I mean, the way that they love people, they love people who were dying and had disease and they love them to the end. Um, And so they were known for the way that they were able to suffer, the way that they remained holy and pure, and the way that they loved. Um, And that has to tell us something, that um, kingdom culture or this collective purpose is going to be inconvenient and against the grain of our flesh. Mm -hmm. Um, But it is a mandate of God. And so it's one of those things that we don't even call into question. Another one of those is what we find in Matthew 28, where Jesus says, look, all authority, again, kingdom verbiage. He says, all right to rule and reign, to have authority, has been given to me in heaven and in earth. So I tell you, go and make disciples of every nation, baptizing them into the name of the Father and the Son and the Spirit and teaching them to obey me. Um, And so what we see right there is that within this collective purpose is both... um, this uh, this heart posture to love God with everything, uh, this actionable response to love our neighbors as ourselves, um, and finally, to go and make disciples everywhere. Um, and so when we talk about collective, this collective purpose, um, this is something that the church as a whole, no matter what your specific purpose is, you ought to be able to draw a direct line back to the collective purpose of God, and it reinforce what, what it is that God's asked us to do. So if that's um, you know, for us, vocational ministry and like working to plant Fountain City Church and to help people find their purpose, I- I've got to be able to draw, take my purpose, like if you just put a little circle around your purpose and write it in there, you know, to guide people into the truth of God's word, to empower them by the spirit, to lead them into maturity in Christ. If I put that in the circle and drew a line directly back to loving God with my heart, mind, soul, and strength, loving my neighbor as myself, and making disciples of nations, this thing has to connect to that thing. Yeah. And I think for many of us, we want to find this thing, our specific purpose. Yeah. But like, there's no connection. It's like when you ask somebody, like, what, what are you all about? And they're like, I really just want to make money. And at some point you have to ask, how does that connect to the heart and the mission of God for the for the earth? If it's that God has given you a grace and a value for creating wealth for the sake of mobilizing people. I've heard people say that too before and I'm like... You sure it's for the mobilization? Are you sure that it's about Jesus and people, or are you just in it for the money? Uh, But I do believe there are specific people who meant God has given them a grace for multiplying generosity. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I think for all of us, whether that's, you know, we've got several friends who work in ERs and hospitals and you have to ask like, okay, so what's your purpose? If if your purpose, I'm thinking of my friend Christy right now, or Josh, my, my buddy, Josh Lashley, um, If I start to think into what they do on a day-to-day basis and they're saying, man, we want to bring people into the peace and the presence and the comfort of God in the way that we meet their physical needs on a daily basis, you know, and that's vocational, but maybe there's a broader one. Like we want to, we want to introduce people into the peace and presence of God, no matter where we are. Um, We want to be a stronghold of the presence of God that somehow I can draw a direct line from that back into God's collective purpose. Um, and we just kind of work out of that. And so I think we as a people have to back up again and evaluate our own lives and say, am I working for myself? You know, is my contracting and construction business just about amassing wealth and comfort my, for myself? Or am I so focused on the mission and the call of God in the earth that I'm mobilizing resources, that I'm discipling people who are under my care, that I am training employees? Um, that my business is now a hub of mobilization you know, for the sake of the kingdom of God? I think we need to ask that question because no doubt people are not all called to vocational ministry. I don't encourage that. There are some days that I'm not sure I'm called to vocational ministry. Um, but within that, within that, are you leveraging all of the resources of your finances, of your personality, of your family, of your geography? of your skill set, for the sake of other people coming to love God, for other people uh, to be met with compassion that we're loving our neighbors, and for other people to learn how to follow Jesus. And that is a non-negotiable question of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Um, And I don't think that that's a popular message. That almost seems extreme and radical. But in the New Testament church, um, I would say that that's ground zero. Ground zero is radical obedience to the way of Jesus. Unto death is how the early church did it, you know? And for us, it's like, we won't even do it if it's inconvenient. And for them, they were willing to pay any price uh, to follow Jesus.
1: Yeah, I think this is such an important message. I don't think that you can have, not fully, um, have specific purpose without collective. They hold hands. And so I think that how um, those barriers broaden in our lives is when we're able to do the both end, right? So specific yeah. purpose is broadened and matured. I can't think of a more maturing process mm. for us individually, not just as Christ followers, but also just as people, as, as adults, as humans, as when we are able to look beyond ourselves, When we are able to look beyond just our needs, our purpose, um, our desires, and when we're able to look at other people and link arms and say, you know, what is God saying? In this body of believers that I have committed to, in this family that I've been birthed into, how can I look beyond my own needs? How can I, you know, link arms with other people? So. I think that is such a maturing process for all of us, but I think it's also how we come to our purpose. We need it more than we realize.
0: Yeah, that's really good. You know, though, I was reflecting on this passage, um, and I can't call the the um, actual scripture to mind, um, but, he's talk- but Jesus is talking to his disciples about how the rulers of the Gentiles lord authority over their people, um, but how when you want to become great in the kingdom, you have to become the least. Yeah. Um, and you have to become the slave to all. It's the language he uses. And he says, the son of man did not come, um, to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Um, and like the, the model, the express model of the kingdom of God is of a God who gets down low to bring us up high and to serve us. Um, and he calls us to do the very same. And so, uh, I love that. I think, you know, for us to really find that unique purpose, a unique call and destiny on our lives is the call for us to get low and to serve and to see that our life is just a, 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 a response of gratitude to God for all that he's done. And when we find our purpose within his purpose, then we're headed the right direction.
1: It's uh, absolutely counter, isn't it, to what we believe, to what we think would bring about greater purpose actually in a more specific way, in a more individual way. The, the upside down kingdom there is actually no. when we, when we commit to the collective purpose, we actually expand into our specific purpose.
0: Yeah, that's good. Uh, that's a fantastic conversation. Listen, I don't know um, where you're at. If you're in our community of faith, obviously you're wrestling with what this looks like. Um, I think the challenge that we want to leave you with today is that you would begin to, to grab a hold of the collective purpose of God and start to ask him, God, what is the fingerprint that you want me to leave in that? What is it that you're asking me to do to be a part of making disciples of loving you and loving others? Um, and then you be faithful to that. Uh, it's one of those things that doesn't stop. It's like having kids. You know, it doesn't stop when you have a sick day, like you don't have a sick day from the kingdom um, you, you are still in this. And for some of you, you're going through a season where you feel a little out of sorts. You feel a little off kilter. And I believe that it's time. Um, as I said in the sermon the other day, just to deal with your junk. If there is something that is keeping you back, man, quit making excuses and deal with it.
1: Why is that important in light of purpose?
0: Because you can actually live without purpose. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like you can live miserable. You've seen people who they just kind of devolve into these people who just live in criticism and condemnation of others because they're not, they don't have any skin in the game. They're not exercising any sacrificial self-will. They are really just living in response to what other people are doing. And it's baloney. And, And there's no room in the kingdom of God for that, to be honest. And so even if you're a Christ follower and you're listening to this and you're thinking, man, I don't really have an express purpose. I would just kind of like shove you off the cliff into purposefulness tonight, you know, to realize like it's time to wake up. That God has called you to do something and that there is uh, there's a judgment against us um, when we don't steward what he has done for us when we just sit on it or bury it in the ground and expect him to be okay. And that really, that really shows that we don't have a great understanding of his character and who he is. You know, just like the man in the parable. Um, he just said, I, I know that you're a ruthless man and that you like to reap what you didn't sow. And for many of us, we feel like the good things in our lives are really from, from our own hands. And God wants to remind us that he's the one that started this by his grace that he saved us. And he has prepared some good works for us to do. And we are obedient. We're under authority. Uh, so he's calling us to get busy. So our prayer for you is that you will live on purpose and that you'll dig in. And maybe you have some other questions or some thoughts that you want to respond with. Man, we would love to hear from you. Feel free to, uh, to send us a message. Uh, email address is grant at fountaincity.org. And we'll respond to those in weeks to come. But thanks for listening and taking time uh, to hear a little bit more of our breakdown of living on purpose. Say bye, Chrissy. Bye, everybody. I thought you were going to say bye, Chrissy.
1: (laughs) Bye, Chrissy. Hey, we're going to try to do these maybe once a week. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see.
0: I like that idea. We'll see.
1: (laughs) Bye, guys. Thanks.
0: (laughs) Bye.